It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to another episode of Crazy and the King. Julie and I just returned from Smash Fly's Transform event. It was absolutely incredible. Hotel was the bomb. The bomb. Yep. Conference was the bomb. Oh, yeah. Loved Speakers it. Speakers were the bomb. Smash Fly did an amazing job. Yeah. And, yeah. and I have to pitch to that I did just get back from Jobgate. It's been a busy week for me. Yeah. Those guys are kick ass, but just being able to see you touring yeah. and do a couple pods um, together that we'll Absolutely. drop later on. That Riffing was awesome. One another's energy. Oh, man. Good stuff. And nothing's changed. Even though we continue to be on the road, you know, rocking and rolling, we have another event coming up in a couple of weeks in London where we will both be. Yeah. We are absolutely committed to making sure that we keep exploring diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And But this week, we're going to actually switch up the tempo. We're not going to focus so much on each of us depositing a story. Julie has something resting on the altar of her heart, and she really wants to talk about it. And I'm here for it. So what are we going to do today? Before I get into my my story, I have to tell you something that happened to me um, last last couple of weeks ago. So I'm having this great conversation at a conference and talking to a lady and a couple of guys. One is a man of color. And we're having this great conversation about, is it okay to call a woman dear or honey or something like that? And I said, those things really don't bother me. What I care about is more systemic. You know, if, if you use the term of endearment, I'm not going to flip out. I'm not going to pick like the little battles. And and we had a, a lady who said, no, that absolutely like that is not OK. That's a line in the sand. Big deal. And so kind of sat there and I was thinking the guys were really receptive to that, which I appreciated a lot because I feel like men in our industry are listening a lot more than they have been, which is good. It is. It's awesome. Um, so fast forward like several cocktails later, right? It's in there with, with pretty much the same group of people minus the, the, the man of color. And we're talking about our interview with Robert Jensen, which was a couple weeks ago, which has gotten rave reviews and is probably one of my favorite conversations we've had. And we're talking about privilege and how we have to start managing privilege from an institutional level, from a systemic level, but we have to acknowledge that it exists. And the same woman who said don't call me dear. I, I take away that privilege from you to put me on equal footing said, well, I'm just going to be honest. I don't I don't want my kids to lose their privilege. I mean, can't we just say that we don't want that to happen for our children? So at some point within about 12 seconds of you hearing that your um, your blood vessels should have began to fill up. Oh, they did. Yeah. They did. Yeah. I was freaking pissed. See, and again, this is an individual, I'm assuming, you know, I don't exactly know who you are referring to, but, you know, you have a person who is a white woman mm-hmm. who has benefited uh, immensely from privilege. Yes. Uh, whether she has pursued that privilege or she has been a benefactor because let's say she was married or let's just simply say it's because she is a white woman. She gets the indirect benefit or the direct benefit of that privilege, but yet does not want a person to refer to her as dear. And can we just be vocal about 
taking a position that we don't want our children to lose privilege. Yes. Part of the the exact reason why in 2019 we are still battling this conversation. And as we've often said, feeling as if we are pushing a boulder up the hill, folks looking at people like myself saying that I am angry, uh, that I am looking for a handout. Uh, I'm chasing socialism, you know, all of the meritocracy, you know, though, that's the that's the type of impediment that we must rid ourselves of. And we got to call it out. And I'm yeah. glad you shared the story. And so I got to tell you, I, I don't know. And my, my husband tells me I tend to be a little confrontational when I drink. So I just kind of went, no, that that's not that's not the way it should be. Your children being on an equal playing field is not them losing their privilege. It's them being on an equal playing field and understanding that's better for us. But then it really like sat with me all night and I woke up, you know, the next morning and I said, and I just had this epiphany moment. And I think for white women, we have to do this more often is that when I'm part of women's groups or women's marches or whatever, and, and we're, I'm hearing like from women of color that we're not doing good enough. And I, and I keep thinking like, what can we do to do better? I realize this is this is what white women are doing is that they're recognizing their gender, but ignoring everyone else's differences in, in thinking that we can attack this as a whole by just saying, treat me as a woman, as an equal and thinking of us as one group. And that's bullshit. And, you know, I, I've been focusing on on diversity of color and those kind of things for people with disabilities. But, man, I was like, I just was mad. Because how how privileged of you to say you have to treat me equally as a woman, but not those people. And, and you yeah. know, I don't think that she even meant it in a, in a way that was bad. And I appreciated the transparency. But what she doesn't understand is that there's a systemic bias and racism that is built into that statement and that she feels comfortable and privileged enough to say that out loud in a group of her peers needs to stop. That needs to change. And I, I kind of was thinking about Dr. Jensen and how do you get people to kind of buy along with us and go with us. And I'm still not there because I was just mad, you know, and I, I didn't I didn't figure out the way to kind of bring her along with me. But since that conversation, I've been kind of practicing different scenarios in my head. So I'm glad that it happened. But it just so took me off guard. And then I just had this big wake up call. And so for all of you out there that are listening, you know, we don't do the pods only because we want to talk to you. We'd like to talk with you. And even though it's in a different format, if you will, you can always comment uh, on social media, whatever platform you're on. You can always push Julie and I a message on one of the platforms. We absolutely respond. We love to engage. Uh, We're not here to we are here to kind of shake some things up. I hope so. I mean, yeah, we are here to kind of shake some things up, but we're not we're not unreasonable is what I'm trying trying to say we want to hear from from you so not only do we want you to share oh heck yeah what are we going to talk about today because i know you 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 have some uh reference to a conversation we had around the uh, abortion law down in georgia yeah yeah so a couple weeks ago you just mentioned it in our intro i think it's like two or three pods ago and you said hey you know netflix is really kind of living their values by saying that if georgia passes this really strict abortion law they may not film there anymore and let me add, Julie, by the way, Viacom, CBS, Sony, AMC, Universal, uh, Warner Media, Disney, and a couple of others. Uh, some of the retail giants are now beginning to jump on and become a bit more vocal yeah. around that. Actually, there's even a website. I believe it is don'tbanequality.org. Whatever it is, we'll put it in the show notes. But, you know, and those are the kind of things 
that I get all warm and fuzzy about, right, is that when I see corporate America, who I really think drives change in this country more than government, more than individuals, more than social movements is is corporations because they leverage so much power in our system. It makes me happy. I'm like, okay, great. So these guys are starting to stand up. They're starting to think about this. They're seeing this as a corporate issue not just a female issue. And then I found this article. um, This one in particular is on the Daily Dot. And the CEO of Netflix had given $143,000 roughly over 2017 and 2018 um, to very anti-LGBTQ governor and legislators in the state of Missouri. And it went back to some of the things that we've talked about in our early pods about when the behavior doesn't match corporate values. It pissed me off. Um, You know, how do I, as a woman at Netflix then, say, oh yeah, we're talking, I feel supported because we're producing in the state of Georgia, but, but the CEO wants some charter school done in Missouri, so he's fine giving money to to legislators and governors and politicians who adamantly don't support equality and they don't support access. And we're talking out of both sides of our mouths again. Yeah. So the challenge, I think, for a lot of organizations, you know, going forward deeper into 2019 and in the years to come are that these leaders, um, these uh, CEOs, these C-suite leaders, uh, uh, individuals in corporate social responsibility departments, they are going to have to wrestle, continue to wrestle with how do they take a position in society. I believe that the Generation Z is going to demand more of them to to be vocal, to be firm, and to take a position. I believe for a lot of them uh, in the past and certainly in the future, you know, that's part of the challenge. Like, how do we navigate the waters of, you know, political giving. There's a great report out titled The Politics of CEOs, um, which was some research done by some students from Harvard Law School and Tel Aviv University. But you can and you can find that at the politics of CEOs. But the challenge for all of them will continue to be, Julie, how do they navigate taking that social position, standing and stamping their thoughts, whether it be how they allocate resources, whether it be how they uh, allow employees to volunteer time, what do we acknowledge in terms of a benefit and or a day off, what do we concede or what concessions do we make so that we can get a new building, we can get some tax incentives. I don't think that there's a clear path to victory as it relates to taking those positions. I didn't see the report that you are, are referencing, and I most certainly am going to look at it. But I try to look at the sum total of of an organization's efforts. And 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 the last thing that I'll say about that is, I know that they're going to step on some landmines. They're going to make some decisions that are going to, you know, disrupt or disappoint a portion of their workforce, a portion of the consumer base, a portion of the market space. But in the end, are they making decisions? more that are of empathy and humanity for people versus less. And and if they are winning in that regard, I think we have to kind of chalk, you know, the wins up with some of the losses. Well, yeah. Not telling you to change your position because it's a fair question. You know, I think it's a fair question of how do you take that posture in Georgia and perhaps one of the other 39 states that are looking at, you know, uh, abortion or 
um, women's reproductive rights. reproductive rights issues, if you will. How do you look at Netflix and some of the others? Um, so I think it's a fair question. And I, I mean, to me, if a company has its values and it's living its mission and your CEO is not living that mission, right, and is not living those values, sometimes living our values comes with sacrifice. And that may mean business sacrifice. It may mean not getting the charter schools that you want in the state of Missouri. Um, but you live by your ethics. And it's hard if our leaders or it's, it's hard to follow if our leaders are not reflecting that same behavior in that they're pushing down and, and kind of pushing the Kool-Aid down into what we do as employees. They have their own set of rules because what they're rich or because they have business drivers. Like, I, I don't I just don't think that that gives them the the past, the some good of it, we do have to consider because I don't want to be a purist, right? I try really hard not to do that. But I think these guys have to get called to the carpet when half of our population is female and we're looking at our rights being taken away and women dying as a result of, of these decisions and having some accountability for politics as usual at, at the C-suite. Yeah, so the website is don'tbanequality.com. I said .org don't ban equality.com. It's actually a consortium of elite leaders and CEOs. I want to say it's something like 30, 35 leaders and growing probably a little bit longer than that. Uh, they employ just over 130, 150,000 uh, workers, and they really want to stand against policies that hinder people's health, independence, and ability to fully succeed in the workplace. And so, Julie, listen, it, it's a challenging situation. I do believe that they should be called to the carpet. Um, but I don't think that I think that we as individuals, we get the opportunity to we get to decide and adjudicate their position with our wallet. We get to adjudicate their taking a position with our desire to lend to them our talent. You know, whatever it is that we do, if we're an accountant, accountant or we're in project management or supply chain, if it's an organization that does not vibe with us and quite frankly, if they've stepped on or generated or deposited too many landmines in the 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 work sphere, we get to adjudicate that by saying we're not going to support them. We're not going to work for them. We're not going to make referrals for them. We're not going to purchase their products. We're not going to recommend them. We have to and trust and believe they will respond when they see that the market is not embracing them for whatever it is, for whatever it is. And and it goes back to um, another one of our pods when I was in Unleash and I said the number one thing that Snowden said for us is you have to care. The number one thing that I say whenever I go in and do an engagement is step one, you got to find your voice. And so you and I talking about it, you voicing your concern for it, me expressing my interest in finding the article and reading it. That is the very first step. We do this work because we want to make you knowledgeable. We want to challenge you to think about more than just the logo. We want to challenge you to get curious about what are these organizations doing? Because as you are sitting at your desk right now, listening to Julie and I do the story on Netflix and CEO given it's not just Netflix. Like it's a lot of these large organizations and some of them where you all work. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think that 
what you say is so important because what I want to know is in six months from now, where is Netflix stand on this issue, right? And if they if they've done nothing, then it's a PR activity and it's designed to codify us and and to get us to say, oh, well, they said that they might do that, but then we have to really be aware of all of the inner workings that are happening behind the scenes. And that's where I think that a lot of consumers, you know, especially as kind of an avid news consumer, which I am, um, it's so easy to get bogged down with all of the details that dollars change hands and things happen behind the scenes. And there's not that expectation that they're going to get caught or busted for that or, or that that transparency is there. And so for me and our listeners, let's get back to this in six months and see what's happening with Netflix, what decision gets made when they actually have to put some money where their mouth is and, and and change production or make an impact to the the Georgia government in order to protect their female employees in the state of Georgia. And what does that mean for the women in Missouri who can't get abortions now, who are down to one Planned Parenthood and don't have access to reproductive care like birth control? We're not just talking about abortions. Um, what did that? What did their actions in in Georgia do to benefit the women? in Missouri who they potentially injured or hurt. Yeah, I mean, again, Disney CEO, he came out. If you all uh, didn't catch it a couple of weeks back, uh, Disney CEO said, if it becomes law in Georgia, I don't see how it's practical practical for us to continue to shoot there. Uh, the measure is actually law already, but it only becomes in effect in the start of 2020, assuming it survives the legal challenges. Julie talked about, you know, Georgia, but of course, there's 39 additional states, Alabama, Arkansas, Indiana, Kentucky, Missouri, uh, Mississippi, New York, Ohio, Utah, North Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Vermont, and others are included in this. I think about what's happening over in Huntsville, Alabama. You know, Huntsville, Alabama is looking at about $4.6 billion in new projects, Julie, uh, in the years to come. Companies like Facebook, Google, and others are building and expanding data centers in what they consider uh, Rocket City. Toyota has taken a position that they really don't have an issue. Quote, uh, whether the bill is passed or not has no impact on the opening, construction, or hiring of Mazda Toyota plant workers in Huntsville. So there's a wow. another side to yeah. here's Toyota and their posture and they don't really they don't really I, I just want to say they don't really care. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we're thinking about employer brand and consumer brand. I I won't be buying Toyota. Right. I mean, that and that to me is that is the only way that I have power. Right. And but we're also what we're talking about is a male dominant company a company that's headquartered in a in a country that is male dominated and doesn't value female participation in the same way that they value male participation. So it's, it, you know, that's really reflective, you know, just to be like blunt, put whatever EB put glitter you want on it, as James Ellis would say, but that's reflective of their values as a corporation and where women stand and the healthcare of women stand in, in relative to their money making capacity. And it allows people like you and I to ask the question, how serious are you around inclusion? Yeah. You know, how much do you really care about women being in your workplace? How much do you really care about what we consider to be allies? It, I'm an ally. So as an ally, am I going to take my talent, as I said before, to work for an organization like Toyota that does not care about or is not taking a positive position around women? 
around mothers, around soon-to-be mothers, around people that could be my sister, my niece. You know, so that's not the that's not the messaging, in my opinion. I don't see an organization. Here's the deal: it may be hard for an organization to address every moving and shiny ball, but when you have one that is so incredibly major. Really, really big, and your position is basically I don't care. I believe that Toyota in Huntsville, Alabama, is going to have a hard time attracting talent to the yep. state. They may get employees that are in the state, they may have to continue to fish and recycle talent that's in Alabama, but they're not going to get progressive engineering you know, incredibly sharp, recent college grads, cutting edge technology, they're probably not going to get them to come and work for the organization. Right. Thing on this topic, it's important to remember and note that restriction to access impacts women of color and poor women at a much higher rate. And, And women of color have a higher maternal death rate in this country. And it's about twice of what white women because they have little access to care. So these are really important things that are not just a, a female issue. They're also, there's a lot of diversity issues here that, that we need to be thoughtful of. So regardless of where you stand on this issue, I think it's important that we call out these discrepancies in, in behavior versus, um, and, and that actually leads me kind of to my next related topic of conversation. Um, there, there's a guy on Twitter that I follow. His name is Judd Legum, L-E-G-U-M. I'll, I'll put his um info in the show notes but he does a really great job of calling out corporate giving and corporate advertising that is not aligned with corporate values and so he as you know torn my my son is gay and so it's june well it was june now it's july i guess um and pride month was last month so we took him to our big pride in indianapolis and he's really getting to know his tribe and his people and build that community and that sense of self and that family within that community which makes me uber proud um and and i love him so much and you know i support lgbtq people because i i want to be inclusive but i have a special kind of place as an ally here with the with the son who's gay and and judd put out on his blog popular.info um that there are a lot of companies who are putting on corporate pride events they've changed their logo they put a rainbow on it they're doing all the good pr activities as say from a brand perspective and an employer brand perspective we want to be inclusive and and we want to really include lgbtq people in our workforce and the human rights commission has what's called a, a an equality index and they rate companies that are how lgbtq friendly they are and they were actually surprisingly um which just kind of makes me laugh because you and i've talked a lot about indexes there are a lot of companies see in 2019 there were 572 companies that earned a perfect score so first of all hrc is this a self-report index or is this like an actual index? But nonetheless, a lot of those same companies that were on the list have been making donations to anti-gay pop or politicians, whether they have been elected or they're in the re-election process. Um, so like AT&T, right? I'll give them as an example. They gave almost $3 million to anti-gay politicians in 2017, 2018. But yet they have a great like turn up the love rainbow if you look at their they're actually doing promotions in june on at&t gotta tell you this their ceo is like incredibly supportive of you know dni initiatives but keep talking well that's great 
but their money is their money or their actions. Right? Your actions are your brand. Your fucking logo with a rainbow on it are not your brand. Your actions are your brand. But some would argue and say that it is the brand. So they so the actions are the brand. Right. I mean, that three million dollars to anti LGBTQ politicians seems like their brand to me. No, but what I'm saying is in that moment, that's their brand. You know what? What I'm saying is the turning the logo to the rainbow flag in that moment is the brand. You know, you or I uncovering that they gave money to anti LGBTQ uh, politicians in that moment is the brand. I think the brand is never just one thing. It's never static. It's always, always layered. It's multifaceted. It's um, it, it carries velocity. Uh, and guy, that goes back to what we said in the beginning. I think that, you know, these organizations, they find themselves in a precarious position of, you know, how do I wage? How do I hedge my bet? I know that somebody's going to get in the office. So I got to sprinkle my money around. The entire country, I'm oftentimes, you know, dropping it on both sides of the railroad track. Whoever picks it up is beautiful with me. I, so, I mean, again, I, I hear you and, and I I'm with you on why you are raising the issue. Is it um, uh, as we used to say, talking out of both sides of your neck? Is it I forget the other phrase right now. I can't think of it right now. Um, or is it just good business? You know, are they putting themselves in a position where. You know, that particular anti-LGBTQ candidate is, are they looking to get up a new tower? Are they looking to get that tax incentive that we talked about? They are hedging their bet, Julie. That's what they're doing. So so my values are always up for sale. For a lot of them, that's the way it is. I mean, that, but that's what we're saying, right, is my values are up for sale. But then, but, but, but flip it, flip it. So what does Chick-fil-A stand for? Um, being anti-LGBTQ. Exactly. Hobby, the hobby, the hobby case. Hobby Lobby, anti-women. Hobby Lobby, that's right. So again, they're holding to their value. You know, I'm not going to have birth control uh, being offered up to my employees and I'm holding to that. I may give a whole bunch of other stuff, but as it relates to these evangelicals and Christian values, and I'm not capitulating on that. Right. And that's, it's not fine, but, but they're They're being being honest. honest. Their values are being lived with their behavior. Right. And so AT&T is telling me we love LGBTQ people. We want them to be included. We want to protect them. But their dollars and their actions are saying a different thing. I got what you so So what? So let me be very clear. So I now I hear what you're saying. So with the Chick-fil-A example and Hobby Lobby example, what you're saying is. They hold to their Sunday value, they hold to their evangelical value, and they're going to give to the anti-LGBTQ, perhaps, politician, and not to the politician who says we should have gays in the military or, I got you. I see what you're saying. If the culture is this, your employer brand should reflect that. And your values are lived through your employer brand. It's not for everyone, so I don't eat at Chick-fil-A, I would not work at Chick-fil-A. Same with Hobby Lobby, haven't shopped there for years. But as an ally, when I see that AT&T is out at Pride and they have their Instagram flags and or filters and, and they've got a logo and they're doing promotions of love is love on Twitter, but they directly negatively impact the ability of my son to be safe, to potentially serve in the military, to marry the man that he chooses, to have children with that man, that's not AT&T that I want to be a part of. I don't give a fuck what color your logo is at all. And I understand K 
capitalism, but at some point you have to give up your dollars to live your values or they're not really your values. So look, it's six months into the year. It's only June 26th. Uh, and I feel like if I don't cut this conversation short, <laughs> Julie's going to blow a gasket and then I'm going to be doing, a, I'm going to be doing uh, crazy in the King all by myself in October and November. So uh, let me just say this to you. I want to remind each of you that are listeners, you know, make sure you get out, you share the pod, you comment, how do you feel about Julie's position of your value should be lived out through your organization at all times? If you are going to support, you know, uh, LGBTQ communities that you should should support those communities in all ways at all times, not temporarily, not when it's convenient, not political expediency, but that you should be committed to doing that. That is Julie's position. And I absolutely, absolutely understand where she is coming from and we won't name uh her son but the bottom line is she is protecting not only her son but she's protecting everyone else that falls under that category so i appreciate each and every one of you for listening what do you got coming up oh gosh so i'm um, getting ready for breakfast in london um yeah, and yeah, yeah. I bet my plane is faster well, than yours. Well, my husband picked my flight, so it probably is faster. <laughs> no worry. So hopefully we'll get some good interviews while we're there. That'll be super fun. I hope so, um, too. And then I'm off to National Industry Liaison Group to present with um, our favorite clients, Pepsi, and a really cool group called Purple, who I'd like to have on the show eventually um, about our program with them, which is going to be awesome. And then, gosh, I think I'm home for a little bit until Unleash in Paris. Awesome. 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 Well, I will see you in Yay. London in a couple of weeks. Thank you for absolutely uh, continuing to do the pod with us. Six months in, we got six more months to go. I know that the show is going to continue to evolve. Reminder, make sure you tune in Sirius XM channel 126 career mix so that you can catch the kid. I'm not sure who I'm going to be talking to on this Sunday, but I promise you we will be there and it will be just as engaging as ever. Julie and I are ghosts. See ya. Thanks for listening to Crazy in the King podcast. I'm Julie Sowash, your co-host with Torn Ellis. Follow us on social media as Torn Ellis or Julie Sowash. And also follow our hashtag, Crazy and the King. This episode was produced by my gorgeous husband, Chad Sowash. And our music is by DJ Sells, straight out of Baltimore. You can find Crazy and the King wherever you find your podcasts. Please rate us. And if you like it, share it with a friend. We'll see you soon. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.